into the ministry and trusting that God was actually going to bring in our provision. And so I could share tons of miracles with you, but I'm actually not going to go that route because as I prayed, the thing the Lord brought to my mind was something that happened 35 years ago when I was just newly employed at a small Christian school. And when I got employed, they just didn't have a very big budget. And so they told us ahead of time that you're not going to have enough to, like, supply for a family, live in your own. You're going to have to share, like, an apartment with someone, you know. And so I knew that when I went into it. So my income, let's just say, was quite small. And I shared an apartment with a good friend that was going to the same church I was. And I kind of lived paycheck to paycheck, just trusting God to supply for my needs. And I remember one particular week, I think it was right before Easter, but I was planning to come home up here to 10 strike. I was living in Minneapolis and um, and I had just enough money to pay for the gas to come and it was midweek service at the campus church I was a part of and the pastor would ask us each time we took the offering just to stop take time and pray and ask the Holy Spirit what we should give in the offering and so I did that and the Lord spoke to me $20. And I'm like, but Lord, that was the money I was going to use for gas to get home to 10 strike. And so I kind of just had a little conversation there with the Lord. And I just felt like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to step out in faith. And once I made that decision, it was like there was such a joy. I didn't know how the Lord was going to provide. Um, it was only a couple days till I was going to be headed up this way. And my um, and so, uh, I don't know if it was the next day or the day after, um, my, um, my friend who I was sharing an apartment with, she had noticed that I had a can of protein that I hadn't opened. Um, and she asked if she could purchase it for, from me. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, that would be just fine. And I don't remember if the cost was $20, um, but that's what she gave me. And so there I got my $20, and I um, came home on Friday, spent a lovely weekend at home with my family. And after church on Sunday, I, I can't remember who it was, somebody came up to me and just said, I felt like the Lord told me to give this to you. And they gave me $20. And so it's like, oh, wow, thank you, Lord. You've doubled what I gave. And then on the way home, I stopped to see my aunt in St. Cloud. And as I was getting ready to go, she goes, I'd like to give this to you. And she gave me $20. And so there I had three times as much as I had started off with. And so I just want to share, you know, no matter where we're at in life, whether we're living paycheck to paycheck, whether we have, you know, an abundance in the bank. God is our supplier, and when he speaks to us, we can follow his directions, whether it seems to make sense or not. And so um, now I'd just like to share a couple scriptures with you. Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, he said, give, and it will be given unto you. A good measure, a good measure, it means a beautiful measure. Press down, that means to pack. Press down, shaken together, you know, like when you shake something and things fall down and it makes more room, you know, so it's shaken together and running over, which means to overflow. It says that will be poured into your lap. It'll be poured into your bosom. It'll be poured into your into where you, your possession. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. <clears throat> and then in Philippians 4, 18 and 19, um, Paul says, I have all and abound. And he's talking about um, how thankful, he's basically thanking the church in Philippi for the gift they have given to him. In fact, many times. And he said, thank you. He's just really thanking them for their support and ministry. And that's when he said, I have all and abound. I am amply supplied, which means <laughs> to cram up. To, I mean, it's like crammed in, leveled up. It's like an abundance of supply, enough to satisfy. 
Mm, I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering. Just think, this is how the Lord is blessed as we give to him. It's a fragrant offering. It smells good. It's acceptable sacrifice. And it's pleasing to God. And then he goes on to say, as we're giving that way, and my God shall supply all of your needs. Not some, but all of your needs. According to your bank account. No, 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 no. According to his riches in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we're just so thankful that um, you are the one who gives us our supply, Lord, that we're not depending on our own resources. We thank you so much for the resources you've given us. And, Lord, I ask, Lord, that you'll help every one of us to have open hands, realizing you're the giver of all things, and that we're willing at a moment's notice, Lord, to um, give of our supply that you've given to us, Lord. And we just thank you, Father, that you said that you will supply all of our needs according to your riches, all of your heavenly riches, Lord God, in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm sure that we've all uh, had the chance to see a movie or hear a story or maybe even a testimony of somebody who um, was in a jam in a terrible situation and they cried out to God. They said, God, save me. If you save me, I'll turn my life around and I'll serve you the rest of my life. Right? We've all had a chance to hear a story like that. Um, About 2,500 years ago, somebody beat them to that. Um, Psalm 119, 146. Like to, could we have that one on the screen? It's the first, the first one. There we go. Psalm 119, 146 says, I call out to you, save me, and I'll keep your statutes. Um, I've always, I've, in the past when I've read that, I always had that sort of picture in my mind with this verse of somebody sort of making a deal with God of like, hey, I'm in a jam. You, you save me and then I'll serve you. Um, or, you know, kind of a negotiation with God. Rescue me and then I'll change my life uh, and, and I'll, I'll live for you. But something happened, I don't know, a couple months ago where God just gave me a different picture of this verse and it has much more to do with um, expressing the desire to live for him. And so in my heart, it kind of turned more into something like, save me, Lord. Let me be the one who keeps your statutes. Let me be the one through whom your word is fulfilled. Lord, I'll be the one to proclaim your word. Save me, and I'll be the one to believe and declare your statutes. I'll speak your statutes and provide the faith bones for, the, for you to put flesh on in, uh, in this earth. And I'll be an example for you to prove your statutes are true. Notice it doesn't say, save me and I'll believe your statutes. It says, save me and I'll keep your statutes. It's implying action, okay? Um, and that's the main point I would like to talk about this morning, is that relationship between having faith and acting in faith. You have to have both. Um, we don't just sit around waiting for the will of God to happen to us, right? We have to learn what the will of God is and pursue it. God's will doesn't just happen to us, we're the ones who do God's will. Uh, and that's an important point to remember. 
I, I remember in, in younger years, I often asked, prayed to the Lord and asked the question, what is your will for my life? And to be honest, I, I don't think I ever really got a good answer to that question. What's your will for my life? Until the day I felt the Lord speak in my heart and say, your question's too long. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? What's your will for my life? That's not a long question. But what he showed me was, the question was a me-focused question. What's your will for my life? And what he wanted me to do was to ask him, what is your will? What's your will? What are you about? What is it, Lord, that you want to do on the earth? What is your heart? And then I will change my life to line up with that. I'll take the actions needed to do everything in my life to serve you in that. So shortening the question, what is your will? And that has continued to be my prayer to this day in lining myself up with God. Um, and, you know, we, we say, uh, there's, a, there's a Christian song from when I was growing up. I remember Bob and I used to listen to this song when we were roommates back in a different millennium. Um, <laughs> Uh, we are his hands, we are his feet. And, you know, there's multiple scriptures that in, the, in the word that talk about Christ being the head of his body, the church. So that makes sense, us being hands and feet. But, um, but think about this. My hand always does what my head tells it to do unless it's asleep, <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't work so good. But my, my feet, they always do what my head tells them to do. Now, but listen, we are, we are hands and feet, you and I. We are hands and feet who do have our own will. <laughs> so imagine, you know, if I, want to, um, if I want to touch my nose, and I tell my hand, touch my nose, but my hand goes, smacks me in the head. That's, you know, that's not what the head wanted the hand to do. If I want to take a step down the step and my foot decides to go this way, there's going to be disaster. <laughs> um, or else a really good puppet show or comedy show or something. But so we as the hands and feet who have a will... We have to learn how to align our will with the will of the head. We have to be, we learn how to hear his word to us so that we know what to do. Um, in other words, we have to have the faith to be, and be persuaded about what God says and then do it. Ephesians 1.11 refers to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. So if our, if our plans and if our lives are not in conformity with the purpose of his will, then it's, it's not going to go well with us. <laughs> um, we have to be purposeful to know his will and to align with it if we want things to go well with us. A little bit further down, and I don't have this on the slide, but a little further after that scripture, um, Paul prays, and we also can pray this prayer in, in our effort to learn his will and align our lives with it. He asks for the Father to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. Lord, I just want to pray that right now, Lord, as this body right here, we're here to serve you, we're here to hear from you. Would you, Lord, give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better? And that's the way that we know his will is to know him. You know, I think back to, you, you all have an example of this that you can think back to, a friend or a spouse or somebody who, who you met for the first time and at that point you didn't know them at all. And over time... You spent time with them, you became friends with them, you married them, whatever the situation might be. The more time you spend with them, the more you know their heart. The more you know 
What makes them tick? What is it that motivates them? What, what bothers them? Uh, what, what do they love? Uh, the longer, the more time you spend with somebody, the more you know those things and the more you can um, serve that person in a more complete way. And it's the same with God. The more we get to know him, the more we understand his will. We know his will as we know him. Um, you know, we've all heard the question and probably asked it, but can we really know the will of God? Yes. There are many places in the word where it literally tells you what the will of God is uh, in black and white. And you have to seek those things out and, and align them with what you know of the Father who spoke them that gives, you, uh, that gives you a more complete picture of who he is. But the main thing is spending time with him in his word, in worship, in prayer, uh, meditating, just being, taking time to be with the Father. Yes, we can know his will. Uh, Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So yes, you can know the will of God, and then you can make the changes in your life to line up with where he's going. So Lord, let us be the one to keep your statutes. Um, God doesn't look at what we're doing on the earth and say, man, you guys are really messing this up. Get out of the way and let me do it myself. I mean, good thing I'm not God because I probably would have done that a long time ago. But... Um, but he doesn't do that. He wants to accomplish his will through partnering with us, his body. He wants us as his body to be the ones that carry out his will. Uh, you know, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, who do you think it is that does God's will? It's us. <laughs> your kingdom come, your will be done in me, through me, by me, as it is in heaven. His will doesn't just happen in some mysterious way. We do his will. And yes, I know there are levels of God's will that, that are higher than just one person um, obeying him, right? God deals with cities and nations and people groups. And yes, I know there are, there are levels of God's sovereign will that he's going to carry out whether we cooperate with him or not. Uh, but when it comes to our individual interact interaction with the kingdom of God, it requires that we pursue that. Um, let's look at the book of James a little bit. To me, James is all about aligning words and actions. Um, James 2.17, get into the the scary but really good stuff here. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And the next verse, Paul says, or uh, James says, excuse me, thank you. I had to catch myself there. I don't think Paul wrote that. <laughs> James wrote James. He says, show me your faith without deeds, Basically, I, I think he's saying, you can't. You, you can't show me your faith without deeds. He says, I'll show you my faith by what I do. Oh, there are days I wish he hadn't said that. <laughs> there are days I don't want to do what I believe. Uh, but in James 2.22 says of Abraham, you see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And we in the New Testament, we never earn our salvation, but there is a major connection between what we believe and what we do. Um, 
James 2.26 has a powerful example. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So if you, if you follow the analogy on that, deeds give life to the faith. Um, faith is something that happens in our spirit, but when we act on it, it provides an opportunity for that to enter the physical realm. And uh, there was a Carol Schlimmer-Rano about 10 years ago was here, and she spoke to us, and she said something that has stuck with me ever since. This quote, it should be up here. Faith is pulling something that already exists in the spiritual realm into the natural realm. I would like if you could picture that. Um, I just have a thought of a little example here. Um, Tim Pomp, you've heard some people talking about this book that's out there in the foyer for sale, Hopper and the Pillar. So Tim had an idea. Tim had a picture in his heart of this, of this book before it was here. Uh, the Lord gave him a message to share. And in faith, it's, like, it's kind of like this, okay? So pretend there's a line above my head, and that's the spiritual realm up there, and, and down here is the physical realm. Well, he saw, he saw this book, so to speak, in faith, okay? And he reached into, he, by faith, he reached into the spiritual realm and pulled it into the physical realm. Um but he had to act to make that happen. He had to sit down and put pen to paper. He had to write out the story. He had to, he had to talk with Rocky Coffin and say, would you like to draw these amazing pictures? He had to find uh, somebody to print it and say, will you, will you print this? He had, to, he, had to, he had to do everything. He had to act to turn that from, from a, something in the spiritual realm, in faith, into an actual thing in the physical realm. Um, so you, you act on your faith. And based on what you believe, you do a deed in the physical realm to give entrance to that thing into the physical. You speak, you move, you give, you plant, you go, you love, you vote, you exercise, you work, you build, all these things you do because it's something that you are acting on in faith. Well, you can do those things without faith, okay? You can just do it because, I don't know, why would you do it? But <laughs> do it because you have to for some reason. But to go back to that analogy uh, in James, it's like, it's like just ideas or a body without a spirit. If you're, if you're doing that, it's, you have to connect the two. To use that analogy again, uh, deeds give life to the faith, and faith gives flesh to the deeds. It's kind of an interesting interplay there between the two realms and how that works. But we have to believe and act. Um, James 2.14 says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? You have to have both. James 1.22 says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Otherwise, you're deceiving yourselves. For anyone who listens to the word or hears the word but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after observing himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and continues to do so, not being a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, he will be blessed in what he does. So it's the one who does what he sees in the word that will be blessed. So doing God's will. Yes, there are things that only God can do, but... There are many things that he's not going to do. We are. 
We are the ones who are going to do it in partnership with him. We never do it apart from him. We can't. We're nothing without him. But he works through us. And if faith without works is dead, then we have to demonstrate what we believe. Um, you think about what that word means. Every one of our actions demonstrates something that we believe. Everything we do is tied to a belief that we have. And so we can act in faith or we can act in fear. Um, but we can be a demonstration of what the Lord, uh, what the Lord wants to do. You know, there's, um, there's an example that I've heard in, in ministry. Um, there was a, a Christian worker who was an agricultural worker in a foreign land, and he had a, an agricultural principle that he knew would improve the farming, the local farming. And so he shared that with the people, in the local people, and they said, no, that, that won't work here. This is the way we've always done it, and that won't work here. And as much as he tried to convince them, they, they refused to, to try it. So what he did, he went and he got a piece of land that was right next to a main crossroads. And, and, he, uh, and he planted the crops his way, and, it, and these plants grew, and as people went by, they looked at them, and you know, first they probably scoffed and said, here's that guy trying to do his thing his way. But what happened was, as the, as the plants grew, and they were stronger, and they were more productive, uh, using the principles that he wanted to share with them, they started to say, wow, look at that. Wow, I want to do that. So he, what it was is a demonstration plot, okay? You are a demonstration plot. You are God's demonstration plot in this world. He wants to demonstrate in you, through you, what his desire is for the people around you, for the world. So, Lord, make us into a demonstration plot. Um, faith isn't just something to have. It's something to act on. Uh, you've probably read Hebrews 11, right? Let's look at Hebrews 11. I've heard this chapter called the, the Faith Hall of Fame. It's, uh, you know, many people from the, the Old Testament who were listed uh, for their great faith, but it was because of an act that they did that they're remembered. I just want to summarize a bunch of these and look at the connection of faith and action together. By faith, Abel offered. By, by faith, he speaks. By faith, Noah built. By faith, Abraham went. By faith, Abraham became a father. By faith, Sarah considered. By faith, Abraham offered. Notice all these. There's the faith, and then there's the action. By faith, Isaac blessed. By faith, Jacob blessed and worshipped. By faith, Joseph spoke and gave instructions. By faith, Moses' parents hid him. By faith, Moses refused. By faith, Moses left. By faith, Moses kept. By faith, the people passed through the Red, Red Sea. By faith, the army marched and the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, Rahab welcomed. So in each of these examples, the faith is expressed through doing something. And if they had had great faith in their hearts, which they did, obviously, but if they had never done the thing in the physical realm to express that faith, they would not have been in that list. Um, and so I think having, having faith is like having a seed in your pocket. I've got a seed here. And this is a squash seed. 
And I know, I know the potential of this seed because last year we grew a bunch of them and decided this is the best kind of squash. This is a butternut squash. Butternut or buttercup? Buttercup. Okay, not butternut, buttercup. That's the better one of the two in our opinion. <laughs> so we threw away all the, other, all the other squash seeds and only saved the which buttercup. <laughs> The good thing we threw all the other ones away because I, I would never remember. But uh, I know that this seed has in it the potential to grow and to produce a bunch more of that really good squash that we like. So, um, so this seed here, there it is. That's like faith. All right. Do your thing. Try harder. <laughs> Grow. <laughs> well, maybe I just got to add more seeds to it. There's a whole bunch of seeds there now. Okay, come on, guys. Squash. I want squash. <laughs> so this isn't going to happen, is it? Uh, I have to take an action. I have to take the seed of faith and act on it and put it in the dirt. Give it a little bit of water. And now, come back in six months. <laughs> um, now, is it useless to have the seed in my pocket? No, because I have to have a seed to plant. <laughs> I have to have the seed in my pocket first. Uh, otherwise, I can't plant it. So they have to be done together. And also, outside right now, what, can we plant a seed out there? If we plant a seed out there, I might as well forget it. Um, and where you plant the seed makes a difference. I can't go out in this parking lot and plant the seed in the, on the blacktop. So there's a season and there's a place as well. It's not just anywhere, anytime, anything. And that's where, that's where hearing that heart of the Lord is something that leads you in that. So, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So we're not saved by works, but we must do them. We are created for good works. It says it right there. We're created for good works. We're created to act on our faith. So I think some people would like to be a little more vague and general about all this and say, well, I, you know, I aim to just have a good life to, for my whole life to be good. I don't think about a specific act of faith to do, but... But look at Daniel 11.32. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That doesn't happen by hoping for something good or wishing for something good. It happens by acting on faith. So, more good news here. We're not alone in doing this. If it sounds impossible... <laughs> We're not alone in this. God is actually cooperating and blessing us for this. Philippians 2.13. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So we're not alone in this, but let's make sure that we're not happy just going through life, always keeping the seed in our pocket. But... Um, God, God has given a measure of faith to everybody. 
uh, Romans 12:3 says, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So you do have faith. Can't say you don't have any. You do have it. So Lord, let's pray together here about this. Lord, let us be the ones. Lord, let us be the ones. We call out to you, save us, and we will keep your statutes. Save us, Lord. Let us be the ones who keep your statutes. Let us be the ones through whom your word finds fulfillment. We'll be the ones, Lord, that proclaim your word, that declare your statutes. We'll speak, and we'll speak your statutes, and we'll provide the faith bones for you to put that flesh of your word on in this earth and be an example for you to prove that your statutes are true. So we say, come, Lord. Lord, help us to uh, spend the time with you that we need to get to know you, to be able to understand your will, line up our lives with it, take hold of the seeds of faith that you have planted in our hearts and act on them to see your kingdom come and your will be done in this earth, in Jesus' name. Amen. That was so good, Adam. Thanks. So uh, maybe you can stay here, and Vicki will have you come up too. But um, so what we do, that shows what we really believe. Hmm. Yeah. I believe I heard that in the message yeah. there. That's, that's one of the things that came across to me. I don't know if you said it exactly that way. And you know, that's the thing that as we're, we're in a meeting like this or even watching, the Lord can speak things that yeah. wasn't even specifically said to, he says it to us. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is very personal and he will speak to you things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But in 1992 or three, we as a church family did something because we really believed that it would make a difference. And we're going to talk about that now, and this is many years, how many years is this later? 2003, 13, that would be 27, 8, or 28 years, well, anyway. 27. By the way, we like buttercup squash, too. (laughs) That's our favorite, I think. All right. Especially from Dan and Chris's garden. I'll share some seeds with you. (laughs) Okay. But we're going to, this is good, and we're going to let you, I'm not sure exactly. I'll I'll keep this. Let's see, do you have a, I have this one. You got that. I share about the start of our. Yeah. Okay. Um, Stand a little bit over here. Oh, okay. You know, that's something, I'll just say this right now, real quick. Well, with this ministry, or vehicle of ministry, I guess you call it, with the live stream, which we're using these days very much, uh, Doug, who has been helping us, he's like a, he's like a champion for us, along mm-hmm. with his dad, John, uh, for, this, for this area. Uh, but what they're saying is we, we will probably need to purchase some floodlights, I think it is. And then oh, also, by the way, we're going to be having, can I say it, Sarah? A Christmas play at Christmas time next, this year. This year at Christmas time, we're going to have a Christmas play. It's being written right now. And uh, pray for Sarah and the girls. And I don't know if Andrew's helping, maybe. But uh, we'll need lighting. So. We're going to do that. Then we won't have to just stand in one spot. So, there you go. So, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what you have in here, but I was just going to... After you introduce it, then I'll... Read okay. It. All right. So, just our history. Mm-hmm. We adopted the Pame, I believe, in 1993, like you just said. Yeah. And so, since that time, we've... Had why did we adopt? We adopted them because they were an unreached people group, and I think there was maybe three believers that were in that whole people group up in the mountains in Mexico called the Palme Chichimecas. And so we, in faith as a church, stepped out to 
adopt them, which means we were going to pour our resources, our people, our finances, our prayers um, into taking care of them to see them grow up and come into God's kingdom and a church be planted among them. And so that was our goal. And there were some workers that were translating God's word that had been working with them and other Christian workers that had been up ministering to them. And, um, and so we were at the very front end of people starting to come into God's kingdom at that time. So we sent our first team in 1993, another one in 1994, another one in 1996. And then we have some pictures we're going to show in a, after Adam shares of our teams that went in 1997 and 2006. And so we've had at least five teams I was trying to, somebody correct me if they can think of another one, but I know there was at least five teams that we sent up to minister to the Palmy, and each time we saw progress, we were part of helping them get the Jesus film, um, showing it the very first time, and watching their eyes just pop open as they saw the first movie, actually, in their language. They'd never even seen another movie in their language, but to see Jesus speaking their language. It was so exciting and seeing people stand up in this, you know, little field um, that we had cleared out by a house and standing up to give their lives to Jesus as Antonio Negrete was sharing the gospel with them. Okay. And so unless you can think of more for introduction before you share. Are you share. sure you don't want to show some of the pictures first? Oh. Because this is like current day now. Okay. All right, why don't we do some of the pictures then? Um, not the video. But not the video. Um, we've got a picture of our team from 1997 and a picture of our team from 2006. So those were the most recent ones. This was the one from 1997. So you see the Pomp family there, the Reaches. Um, I guess I won't start naming everyone. Um, Anyway, so that was our team in 1997. Okay, go ahead to the 2006 team. So here we are, um, 2006. You can see our boys were quite a bit smaller at that time. Gus was our um, anointed preacher, and um, there's Alicia Modry, Juanita, <laughs> Juanita Wiley. Um, anyways, and Dan Cornia there, um, um, Andrew Carter, and... Who'd I miss? Oh, and Jeff back there. So anyways, that was our team in 2006. And then we'll go ahead and just show some other pictures. These will be pictures of us just interacting with the Palme people. Um, this is kind of spontaneous, honestly. Um, so if you want to go ahead, yep, here is our team in 1997. We were sitting on the porch of the church in La Parada. So by this time, they actually had a church built in the first city where the first believers were. And we were having a morning devotion time together. Okay, the next one. Um, here we are, 1997, you see Joyce and Jonathan and Sarah across the way there. Um, we were having a time of ministry together with some of the believers there in the Palme Church in La Parada. And here we are, there's a church, it was just so exciting for us to see they have a church building, you guys. We were a part of seeing this happen. A huge part. And um, there you see the, the Palme, and, and I think most of the 10 strike people are on the left side. Yeah. And so worshiping together. All right, go ahead. Next one. Um, <laughs> this was in 2006. Josiah is helping a Palme believer there grind some corn along with Birdie and Dick. Johnson, who you may remember them, they were some of the Christian workers up there that were ministering to the Palmy that we, we um, connected arms with. Okay, next. And there's Juanita Wiley helping make a tortilla in one of the homes there. Okay. And Alicia Modry, I'm using maiden names, so I know some of these guys are married. Um, doing, um, we were ministering to the children through face painting and such. Okay, next. And this is on the porch of, in a town called La Cuchilla, 
And this was a new a new church that had been birthed. And so we had the opportunity to meet together with them and worship with them. Now, this is like, what, about, um, yeah, nine years. Nine years later from the first one where we were meeting in the church in the first city. All right, go ahead with the next one. Um, And you can see the church has grown. This is nine years later. There's Gus preaching. All right. This was in, that was in La Parada, by the way, which is the first city where the church was. Um, and the man in with the blue shirt is Santiago, and he was the first Palme pastor of the church in La Parada with some of his family there. Okay, next one. Beautiful people, a quiet, beautiful people. Um, we had children's ministry. You see our two little blonde boys in the midst of all the Palmy children there. They were enjoying the, the um, children's ministry as well. Okay, next one. Um, that's Mary Hilde. And I think she might have been one of those first believers. I'm not sure. Yeah, and, and Stephen Joyce actually stayed in her home when they went in 1997. Enrique was her husband. And he was a believer too. I don't know if you can hear what Pastor Steve is saying. They know more details about them than I do because they stayed with them. So, okay. And the next one, there's Gus. You get a picture of what the Palmy homes look like. It's a very typical home. And there's Gus sitting. I think he looks like he's eating something there. I'm not sure. Um... Okay, and that might be the, okay, oh yes, this is the last one. This is, oh, I think that other picture was Escondida. I think this is La Cuchilla. This is, this was a new place. We haven't seen this church in person because it hadn't been built, but it's been built now. This is the ground that they had um, as a church where they were going to build a church in this in this village. You see Dan Cornea there praying. Um, so we were all just together with the Palme believers calling out to the Lord to bring his provision and to raise up the church there, which now exists. And I think that's the last one, isn't it? Is there any more? Okay. There's probably some more current ones. Um, should I go to that now? Yep. I have my own microphone. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, the the person who introduced the church to the Pame, his name is Kerry Olson, and uh, he's one of our co-workers in Bethany, and his job right now is he goes around the world to assess the level of um, which unreached people groups are being engaged with the gospel and which ones aren't, which ones need uh, gospel workers among them. So even back then in, what, 92 or something, he was, he was uh, doing that already in, in Mexico. And he recently went back there again and sent us a report of how things are with the Pame right now. And so uh, this... I don't know how well it will work, but we do actually have the report uh, that we can look at as I read it, because there's some pictures in there um, that weren't included. Um, let, me, let me go ahead and read that to you right now. So this is an update on the Palme. Carrie called this article, The Palme, Back Then and Now. And he writes, Back Then... I made my first trip to the Palme people in 1989 with the Wycliffe Bible translator who arrived in the 1940s. During the missionary translator's four decades among the Palme, she was able to translate the Gospels of Matthew and John. Sadly, only the translator and the language assistants were able to read in Palme. The language was very complex and the translation was extremely slow. So now we jump to now. The past four years, another attempt at Bible translation is underway. Thankfully, the progress is much quicker as they are using the audio Bible method as opposed to a written translation. Five six-minute cartoon-style parables have been produced, as well as audio versions of the book of Jonah and Mark. The translation team consisting 
of Pastor Catalino, that's the Apame man, and a few others who are currently working on Genesis. We dubbed the Jesus film into Pame in 1992, and it is available to download for free. Um, back then, the evangelistic efforts from the mid-1940s until 1990 resulted in just one believer. Although a strong Christian witness was given to the Pame tribe numbering about 12,000, there was little response. With time, most of the Pame knew of a Bible translator living among them, but her testimony was relegated to the main town of Santa Maria Acapulco. The Pame historically have lived in individual homes spread out throughout the Sierra Gordo Mountains in southern San Luis Potosí. Back to now. The first church was initiated in the village of La Parada, with the first Pame believers, our ministry brought to the Lord via numerous interns and one couple, Pepe and Veronica, who lived among the Pame for two and a half years. The Pame no longer live spread out in individuals' homes, but spread out in 30 villages, the largest being Santa Maria Acapulco with 2,500 inhabitants and the smallest village numbering just three families. The other villages vary in size from 10 to 100 families, the latter being La Parada, where 60 out of 100 families are Christians. Let's just pause there for that moment. <laughs> where 60 out of 100 families are Christians. So in 1990, there was one believer. From 1940 to 1990, there was one believer. <laughs> From 1990 until now, in just one village, 60 out of the 100 families are Christians. Praise God. The Pame population in Mexico has dwindled to about 10,000, as many men have migrated to the U.S. Back then, according to the Bible translator in 1989, oh, this is a little different number here. According to the Bible translator in 89, there were three Pame believers. I only encountered one, Bernardino, who passed away 15 years ago. With time, we did meet another believer who became a seeker after hearing a radio program from Texas. When the sun goes down, you can get a radio signal from the U.S. The first church was initiated in La Parada, the first village at the entrance to the Pame territory. We coordinated the construction of the first church building. I arranged for a teen missions team to come and do the construction of the walls. That was back then. Now, the first Pame church building has been amplified three times, and they now have a large open-air meeting area adjacent to that building, which is used for larger gatherings that can accommodate more than 200. According to Pastor Catalino, they could have, they could be as many, there could be as many as 300 Pame believers, but 200 of them are really following the Lord. Most, as mentioned, live in this village of La Parada with 100 families. 60 families are Christian, but a large percentage of the men in the community migrate to the U.S. for extended periods of time. Catalino himself worked in North Carolina for four years prior to marrying Josefina. That's them right there, Catalino and Josefina. So he's the pastor now. Catalino and his brother Santos have five church plants in Pame communities. Back then, the goal was to start the first Pame church. Now, the strategy is to strengthen the Pame church in La Parada and see strong churches established in the five communities where the works have begun. Jan is Carrie's wife. He's the, the one writing this. Jan and I had the opportunity to visit La Cuchilla within eyesight of La Parada, but two hours in distance walking or 30 to 40 minutes in a sturdy vehicle. The church there is 10 years old. See the picture below of the elderly Pame couple who are the first believers. I'm not sure which one that is here, but the construction has been taking place for years. The walls are coming up and some of the building material has been purchased. The big goal is to put up a cement roof with the idea of building a second floor in the future. Back then, 75 years ago, it took three to four days to walk to the Pame from the main highway between the city of Rio Verde and the township of Rayon. 30 years ago, 
It took up to four hours to traverse the rugged 30-mile dirt road to Pomeland. Now, a newly paved road was constructed 18 years ago, and eventually electricity arrived as well. Although not everyone has electricity in every Pame community, life has changed immensely. <clears throat> While there's still no running water due to the rugged mountainous terrain, life is less harsh. After not having visited the Pame in 25 years, I was amazed that 95% of the adobe mud and stick homes have been replaced with cement homes with either cement roofs or gal galvanized tin. Cellular signals do not reach most of the Pame territory, but Wi-Fi is readily available in the immediate areas of small stores that sell it for $2 a day. Some wealthier Pame have routers in their homes. Back then, initially we relied on sending interns from the Institute of Bethany and Matahuala out to the Pame. For four years, we had two couples living and ministering among the Pame. Pepe and Veronica were the last couple to be with the Pame and have done spiritual follow-up for the last 23 years. Now, Pepe is working with New Frontiers, an organization based in England and is now the field director for Mexico, giving oversight to 20 churches throughout Mexico. He's committed to visiting the Pame a couple times a year and, and to encourage and bless them as he is able. I realize that he's giving oversight from afar, but came away from our time from the Pame knowing that Pastor Catalino is strong enough to spiritually give leadership to his people, as he has done for the past 10 years. Since Pepe put him in as a pastor, oh, period. He has a team consisting of his brother, a number of local women, and several Pame pastors committed to reaching this ethnic remote group. The Pame are located on the border of the states of San Luis Potosí and Queretaro. I'm guessing at that one. And there are a few more photos there that Carrie sent. Um, yeah. Lovely ladies. These are, these are the ones that were taken recently. And you can go ahead and uh, until the video. So we have a brief video that Carrie took along with Pastor Catalino. And uh, so we'd like to share that with you now. It's, it's recorded in a, in a cement building and the sound is a little hard, so listen carefully, okay? Let's go ahead with that video. My name is Kerry Olson, and uh, I'm with uh, Pastor Catalino, pastor of the Pame, and his uh, father-in-law was one of the first believers here. I came here 31 years ago at the invitation of the Wycliffe Bible translator, who has since uh, passed, but uh, she spent many years here working on Bible translation. And uh, the church has grown. What an honor to be with about 60 families yesterday. There's 100 families in uh, La Parada here. Not all the families have uh, their men here because some go to the States to work. But there are numerous Christians here in La Parada. They've all received uh, a witness of the gospel. But now the task is to take the gospel to other unreached uh, Pame uh, areas uh, and villages in the area. And Pastor Catalino is involved in uh, audio translation. Uh, with Wycliffe as well, and uh, he's just going to tell us a little bit about uh, what they're doing. Cuando la traducción de audio, yo creo que sí ha sido una bendición porque ya lo que hemos grabado se hemos llevado a otra familia a escuchar. It's been a blessing to uh, do the translation in audio. What we've done so far, we'll be able to bring that to other communities so that they can hear the Bible. Y nos agradece a ellos a Dios porque escuchen el idioma de nosotros, la palabra de Dios. And we're thankful to God because they're able to hear the gospel in their own language. Y creo que es algo, es un paso donde el idioma de nosotros pueden escuchar la palabra de Dios y la salvación. Yeah, and it's a great step towards salvation, obviously, that they hear the word of God and then we can share more clearly with them. Yo creo no más. Okay, and you've translated, has traducido este, ¿qué libros? They've, they've done in audio a number of books. Jonás. Jonás, sí. Marcos. 
Ahorita nada más eso. Jonah and Mark are finished in the beginning translation on Genesis. En Genesis lo estamos acabando. Okay. And uh, this video is going out to Ten Strike uh, Community Church in northern Minnesota. And um, uh, he would be very happy to receive a group. And um, there's much need here still. And we know that you have adopted uh, the Pame many years ago and uh, are thankful for all that you've uh, done and uh, just to let you know that there's still much to be done in the other communities but we're thankful for the, the many Christians that are here in La Parada. Thank you. Here this is from when we went on different trips. This was a, is this Claudia? Or is Vicki? Did you stay in her home? Yes. Very common to see the weaving or the, is that what you call it? Yeah. This is a palmy raincoat. I mean, it was very The baskets, all of these baskets, um, the mats they slept on. They slept on, did we sleep on them too? Did we sleep on those? I don't know. But anyway, after this is over, just come and take a peek. Her husband, what was her, what's her husband? He was here. Huh? Antonio? He was here. He was in this sanctuary visiting us. And when we brought out this picture, <laughs> Of his wife. Did I do that right? Sarah? Okay. I mean, he was so surprised to see an enlarged print like that. So um, I welcome you to just come up. These were the original cards that I think Vicki had printed up where it says, please pray for the Palmy Chichimecas. And um, we've been connected with them. This was so special to see stuff like that. Thank you, Lord. As we close, Jeshua had something to share. And then I'll ask you to just close in prayer for us, okay? Yeah, I guess I don't usually come up here, but as I was listening to Adam's message, right at the end I felt like I should share, but it just really encouraged me with that faith. I got like this uh, sense of like a, a house and like how many of you have ever built a house before? Like raise of hands or help build a house? Yeah, so quite a few of you. I've never built a house, but I have the general sense of building a house where you have to start with building, uh, doing all the plans and everything, and then you have to build the foundation. And then uh, once you get the materials, you can't just throw the materials in one place and say, okay, house, um, build yourself. Like, it, it's not gonna happen. You have to act and start building one by one, piece by piece, and then you do step by step until it's complete. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that little analogy of, um, an extra analogy of just keep, keep building your faith like as you're building your house, like keep doing that extra step and as you keep building, the house gets bigger, it gets, it gets stronger. And so as you build your faith, it gets stronger and stronger and you can move that next step in your, walk with God. So anyway, I'm gonna... That makes me think of something here with the Pami people that we kind of moved in those ways concerning the Pami people. And the, now the question would be, what do we do from here now? From this point, where do we go? What do we do? And so that's something that we'll be praying about, you know, and maybe there will be another group that will be going down there. They invited us. The pastor invited us. Did you catch that? And so, Cheshire, why don't you just...
pray to close the service about the palm too. Don't forget that for God's direction for us. And you can wrap her up and pray. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, that you help us every day to strengthen our faith. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you are with us through it all. Thank you, Lord, that we can shout it from the mountaintops that you are there. And thank you, Lord, for the Palme people and, Lord, helping them grow closer to you. And thank you, Lord, that um, uh, you have been with them just like you have been with us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, so much that everything is uh, going great, Lord. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness that is never ending. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Have a great week. God bless you. If you like prayer, come up and also be free to take a look closer at these things.